when you're listening to this, I hope it's not past April 20th. Because if it is, then you've already missed on the first day of Game Topper's new Kickstarter. Berkey's done it again. He has come out with some innovations for his new Game Topper system to the point where it doesn't have to sit on top of a table. He's got legs. Does he have to change the name now? Well, no, I don't think he needs to change the name because knowing Berkey, these legs, you know, we haven't seen this yet, so I'm, I can't wait to see it. She's got legs. And it knows how to use them? Maybe, because I'm sure these legs will be able to be attachable and detachable so that it can still be on a table. So the game topper can still be a game topper or it can be a game table. See, mm-hmm. see how that works there? They got the Kickstarter going on April 20th. But even if you're not interested in the whole topper. So this weekend when I was playing My City and Strike and um, cards and everything, I take that mat and I just roll out my big Watson mat. And it is so nice to finally have a large mat on the table where we can play games. Even without the topper. I watched people when they were playing, they were sitting there just their hand was rubbing the mat. I'm like, okay, y'all need to stop that. You're rubbing <laughs> the fabric. Creepy, Getting creepy on my mat over here. Leave the mat. But they're like, oh, it just feels so nice. I'm like, yes, it does. This is called quality, people. <laughs> and then I see them pick up the corner and they go, oh, look, it's got stitching. And I'm like, yeah, the mat's got stitching. Leave the mat alone and let's play the game. So, Tony, I, I actually asked uh, Berkey about this. A way to protect your mat. He said you can scotch guard it. So if you want to take a can of Scotch Guard and spray it, uh, then that will take care of any spills that someone may spill on your nice high quality mat. Yeah, I about, I about went across the table and hit somebody when they put their can on my mat. <laughs> that was going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, you still need to use a coaster on the mat, people. Absolutely. So once again, Game Toppers, Kickstarter starting up April be sure to go check it out or go to his GameToppersLLC.com. He has a currently a sale on these. I'm telling you, these are some amazing mats. So be sure to check it out. Be sure to check it out. <laughs> That's not the first time you're going to hear check it out this episode. Just saying. Welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. You may be wondering why I'm doing the intros because Vanessa went out of town for the holiday and I forgot to ask her to do it. Hello, Vanessa? Hey, Marty. I can't believe I totally forgot to do the intro before I left for Mississippi and I don't want you trying to do it because you will mess it up. So, here goes. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Guys took a break for the Squirrely Awards, so they have a lot of games to catch up on. Games like The Initiative, Excavation Earth, War Chest Siege, Southern Rails, and many more. You're right. That's a lot better than I would have done it. Thank you so much for calling. (laughs) You are very welcome, and I'll see you when I get back from Mississippi. Bye, y'all. Hello, and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 226, The Logical Song, and you're holding your finger up at me. Why? Oh, I'm not. I was making a six. You just didn't see the other. It's like I was going 226. Okay, that's right. (laughs) It's 226 and The Logical Song. I've already covered all that, and I'm Tony. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, this is Marty. Hey, great way to start the show there. You know, I'm surprised we recovered for the after the squirrelies party. Is that what it is? It's the uh, squirrely hangover episode. I guess that's what's going on here. Well, riding the high from the squirrelies, baby. We got them out. Well, they're not out, but we at least announced them. We had all our guests show up on their video monitors. Appreciate all their help once again. That was, mm-hmm. as always, a great show. Well produced by my main man, Marty, over there. Made it sound like we were all not in the room together because we weren't. We were videoing. Remember, that was the whole theme. Don't peek behind the curtain. Okay. Hold on. Before you move too far from uh, the Logical Song. So I will say that Super Tramp is one of my all-time favorite bands. The Logical Song is off the album Breakfast in America, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. That's one of those albums I don't think there is a bad song on that album. And the Logical Song as a keyboardist is one of the most fun to play. Okay. And this isn't the one with the um, Mattel Electronic football game, is it? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, we, we've actually talked about this before. So it's the Mattel Electronic game. Yeah. Anyway, so Breakfast in America, absolutely amazing album. Amazing. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, my middle son, Travis, absolutely loves Supertramp also. So it, it's, it's a great band. One of those has multiple vocalists. I think it's always cool when a band uses multiple vocalists. I trust your ears on this. I just hear music. Music and sometimes the lyrics. Other than that, I don't hear a lot of that. So I, so I just you don't enjoy pick, it. You don't, pick, you don't pick up that different, guy, different guys are singing lead on different songs? No. Unless they're through the whole song. Now, like the Eagles, I knew they all have multiple l- lyrics and Glenn Fry and, uh, oh, good gosh. Don Henley, Joe Walsh when he joined, and uh, Styx used uh, three different vocalists. Did they? Tommy Shaw and Dennis DeYoung. They both sang lead in oh, multiple that's songs. Right. Yep. That's right. Uh, they also, uh, JY, uh, James Young, also sang lead every once in a while. At Genesis, it was um, Peter Townsend before he left, and Phil Collins and Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks. You want to rewind on that, Peter Townsend? It wasn't Peter Townsend. Who was it? Who was before Phil Collins? Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. Thank you. Hey, I got a a Peter. So yeah, so Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. uh, So yeah, they shared vocals until Peter Gabriel left. Then they had that weird change in the 80s when they went very pop and... A lot of people just kind of, eh, okay, y'all aren't Genesis anymore. I don't know. I liked Invisible Touch. Really? I enjoyed the Invisible. I, I, I was a big Genesis fan. So yes, I did. Thank you. But were you like an old Genesis fan? Like going back to the old stuff? I had it all. Yeah, up till Invisible Touch. Like pre-Duke? I would have to. I don't remember. I don't have like, my CDs Lamb anymore. Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Yes, Lamb. I had Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. That Supper's kind of Ready. And all. Okay, well, okay, very good. Very good. And once again, thanks to everybody who came out to the Squirrelies. Thanks for everybody who listened. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were surprised by some of the winners. Um, I did find out that my game of the year is still sold out at Miniature Market. So I'm really hoping that they will get some more copies in soon so people can purchase Guildmaster. Great game. Still, man, we need to get that one back to the table. That was one of those games that I think just kind of came out of nowhere and it's like, whoa, whoa, this is really good. And probably a lot of people didn't even know about it. I didn't even know it was sold out. Is mine sold out? Let me check. Oh, nope. Lost Ruins of Arnak is still in stock at Miniature Market. Yeah, check Guildmaster. See if they got any in, because I need to order up a copy. It is out of stock. When it mm-hmm. comes in, they're $42.99. You know why they're out of stock? I would say it's because we said it, but that's that's not it. People already discovered how good the game was on its own. Uh, we've already started with 2021 games, and I am very excited because I think one that we've played that we will not talk about here, so sorry, 
I know that doesn't do y'all any good. We'll talk about it on the next show because we got to get another game on the table with this so that we can get the full grass, get the mm-hmm. full, get the, ta- get the meat off the bones of this game. But that one, yeah, I think that was going to be on my list already. Ooh, nice tease for next episode. Mm-hmm. And there's something else, Tony, that we're going to do next episode that you and I have been talking about behind the scenes for a while. And we thought, you know what? Let's just go ahead and do this. So for people who don't know, we don't get to record face-to-face. It's it's just really tough for us to... Well, number one, it's already tough for us to find time each week to get together to play the games and everything like that, but then to get together and spend a few hours recording everything. So for, for years, we've always recorded using Google Chat, Zoom, etc. So we thought, why don't we show what goes on behind the scenes when we record, Tony? On our next episode, what do you think about... As we start recording, stream our little chat windows and everything to Twitch so that people can see the magic of how this show is made. They can see the full, uncensored, how unprepared we are. I'm good with it. Maybe magic is the wrong thing. Maybe they can see how the sausage is made there you and go. how gross and disgusting that it is. Absolutely. How do we get it in that casing? How you can take what we do for two, two and a half hours, I'm warning them now, and compress it down to an hour and a half. So you're saying, how can you cram 25 pounds of crap into a 10-pound bag? There it is, right there. (laughs) All right, so here's what we're going to do, everybody. On April 12th, it's going to be our next recording. He and I are going to get together April 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern. So we're going to be teasing this over the course of the next couple weeks. Basically, you can just come in and be a part of the chat. Obviously, as we're recording, we will not be interacting with the chat, but there's no reason why that during the chat, and maybe Tony, this is off the top of my head, maybe if we have opened up to some questions and answers, and maybe at the end of the show for the outro, we pick a few of the questions and answers to answer live. And if nobody participates, then it'll just be a very short outro. I'm good with that. You know me, the sooner we get to keep rolling dice and taking names, the better off we are for everyone. Twitch.tv slash roll dice take names, um, where we'll stream. Maybe we'll stream to YouTube too. I'm not sure. But anyway, for sure it will be for Twitch, maybe YouTube. We'll just see how to get that set up and everything. I don't want to make it overly complicated and we spend our time trying to get everything, you know, working behind the scenes. So come watch us record episode. It's going to be episode 227. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've already got some things we're going to be talking about in the next episode. One of them is potentially Tony's game of the year, which you may want to hear about, plus anything else that we come up with in the next couple of weeks. I'm I'm scared, but excited (laughs) at the same time. I mean, they'll get to see the bathroom break. They'll get to see yeah. the the various uh, sodas, like my Mountain Dew's uh, Code Red's already gone, and I don't know. The interruptions. The retakes. Mm-hmm. They'll get to see basically, okay, re-record that, fix uh-huh. that, change okay. that. That was wrong. Say that again. We actually already had to do this earlier because you teased the game that we're going to be doing next episode. It's Eagle Griffin Games, which was not correct. And there will be no $5 rewarded during the Twitch stream. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll go ahead and put it out there. Oh, my gosh. So there, there you go. Uh, we're talking April 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Watch us record episode 227. So, Tony, speaking of drinks, 
we found this drink over the holidays when we went to a Brazilian steakhouse. Mm -hmm. They had a soft drink there called, and it's spelled G-U-A-R-A-N-A, and the last A has a little, some sort of accent symbol on it. Guarana, Guarana, something like that. This is such a really nice, refreshing drink, and it does come in diet form, and we've been looking for it forever. Vanessa happened to go to an international supermarket over the weekend looking for this and happened to find it. So now we have a supply for Guanana Diet Sodas. Okay. Did she go to the Super G? It was the Super G. Oh, that is one of the best supermarkets here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I love that store. Did she wait in line? Uh, I'm not sure. She brought us back some uh, dumplings, these oh. big old fat dumplings. Oh. Holy cow. I said, wait a minute, you could eat in there? She went, oh, yeah. So we're going to, I've never been there. So I'm going to take a trip there. It's so, oh, the, uh, you just walk in there and you're like, okay, that's the amazing food. Amazing. And that whole cafe that they have set up. Oh, I had to call up Rebecca to help me because she goes there. She would go there a lot when she lived between now college and pre-college and she would go over there and I'm like, okay, where do I find this kind of stuff? Cause she would always pick stuff up for us. So I was just like, okay, you need to help me through the store, but it is, oh yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, but the soda you have, mm -hmm. Donna wanted uh, LaCroix soda, sparkling water. Have you ever seen that brand? I don't know if it's a uh, Coca-Cola brand or Pepsi brand, but it's a flavored sparkling water. She wanted limoncello and that's one of her favorite alcoholic drinks. Limoncello? Limoncello, yes. And I'll try to snag one out of the refrigerator. So I wanted to try it. Mm -hmm. I am not a fan of sparkling water. Club soda, sparkling water. Oh, that, there's just something about it that I do not enjoy. Do you know about anything about sparkling waters? I'm not a sparkling water person. I do not like LaCroix. That's it, yeah. Uh, I do not like LaCroix. One time... One time, the only time I went to Dice Tower Con, I roomed with Chaz Marler, and he's addicted to that stuff. And we had to go all over Orlando looking for LaCroix. And I tried it, and it was like, to me, I, I don't get it. LaCroix is like, I, I'm not a seltzer water right. guy, or, or yeah. You know, you know, when you go to Europe and it's like, do you want your water flat or bubbly? I'm the flat guy. Flat guy, right here, 100%. Do not put no, no bubbles. Mm mm. Yeah, so yeah, I did I did not like that. So I was trying to figure out how to pawn it off on people, but obviously you're not one of those. No, no, I'm not. But I am curious, because we've got to start this up. We gotta start tweeting out, hanging with my peeps to get the peep flavored Pepsi Cola. You and I Tony. Yep. I've already got you set up. How? Uh, I did a photo shoot yesterday with Vanessa, so we can we can both do this, right? So I'm going to post a picture to share on Instagram and Twitter in order to try to win this peep flavored Pepsi, mm -hmm. so that we can do a taste test on this show. That's right, because you only get I think it's four seven ounce cans. Three thousand of these are given out. Yes, yes. So the chances are slim that we get one, but I'm going to enter. Okay, so you'll do that one. I'll do the Tony underscore RDTN, which is my Twitter account. And we only have one Instagram. It's a good thing we don't have to TikTok it. <laughs> but I did, when I was reading the rules, it says you need to do that hashtag and post it to Twitter and Instagram. I'm like, 
both, but there is an and in there, and you and I both know that means you got to do both of them. So we'll definitely get that out. I mean, I, it'd be interesting if we did win. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. So anyway, go look on uh, Twitter, Instagram. This should be out now. I can't remember when is the contest up. It may be before this episode drops. Yeah. Anyway, share it, like it, whatever. We want to do a taste test here on this show. You know how we do our taste test here of a peep flavored Pepsi, which I can't imagine being very good. I do not like peeps. I had a marshmallow for the first time in a long time. I used to love these things. They just kind of, where's the chocolate? Where's the, where's the graham cracker? So it's interesting that you said that because uh, over the weekend, Vanessa tried a brand new recipe from Joanna Gaines. You know her, mm-hmm. the Gaines from, I can't remember what channel they're on. I know they're on Discovery Plus now, but anyway, Discovery Channel. And uh, it was a peanut butter chocolate. It was like cake on the bottom. Then... Uh, some sort of peanut butter, but the icing was made with marshmallows. It was made with marshmallows, butter, and and something else. I typically like marshmallows, but when it's in that inside the 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 frosting type thing, it was it was really good. So I like marshmallows. Peeps, I can like eat maybe one, maybe two, and then I'm kind of done. Mm-hmm. It's mm. just too much sugar for me. I'm remiss being a friend. I'm sorry. How are you feeling? You doing okay? You had your second shot, so you doing all right? You mean my second vaccine? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. Vanessa and I had it at the same time. No side effects or anything. We're good to go. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad that you didn't have any because, you know, Moderna's, you've been seeing that. And so I'm glad to hear you're okay, that you've got the full zombie side in you now. That's all I need to know. So you're right there. Yeah. Well, all we need to know is now I can go to Krispy Kreme and get my free donut. That's right. You can. Every day. I don't drive near one. I don't either. Thank goodness. Because that would be just too tempting because I'm, I got the, the vaccine card in my car. Oh, geez. That would be just too tempting. So for those who don't know, uh, Krispy Kreme, which is a big donut place here in the, in the U.S., especially in the South, uh, tweeted out. They said, hey, all you got to do is show your vaccine card and have one or two shots and you can get one donut per day till the end of the year. I mean, it's a loss leader for him. Who's going to drive in to Krispy Kreme besides you and I, and just want one donut. <laughs> That's right. I was going to say, uh, this guy. <laughs> besides you and me. So, sir, do you want anything else? No, I want one donut. <laughs> but sir, don't you want coffee? No, I don't want a coffee. I don't want a drink. I want one donut. And what was so funny is, did you see the flack that they got over no. this? Oh my gosh. It was ridiculous. Like Stephen Colbert. You know, from this late night show, tweeted out, Krispy Kreme is offering free donuts to anyone who's been vaccinated, which is great news for anyone who's got the shot, but still has a death wish. And a lot of people were upset with them. I can't believe you're doing this. You're just going to, you know, obesity, problem with sugar, diabetes, and all this stuff. So the CEO of Krispy Kreme came back, did not back down and said, we are a sweet treat company. And if folks don't want to visit a donut shop, they don't have to. Absolutely. Boom. Drop the mic and walk away. I'm like, thank you. Because it's there doesn't mean you have to go do it. And we've talked about this on the show where Vanessa cannot pass up free. If it if it's free, it's me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and 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 I understand, but like you said, first off, driving by Krispy Kreme, if the hot and now is on, there is a line. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you went and got the Mars donuts. They do some great things. It's not like these cholesterol filled things are going to, you know, if you're going to eat one every day, you're going to walk those calories off in no time. But I'm, I'm just, yeah, once again, people, 
they're trying to promote getting the vaccine for everybody to go do that. You yeah. may never go in front of a Krispy Kreme in your life. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't. There was nothing in there that forced people to go get a donut. There was nowhere in that tweet that said, if you have the vaccine, you must come eat a donut every day. Kudos to Krispy Kreme because Krispy Kreme does a lot of charity work around here. Oh my they, gosh. They deliver donuts to hospitals and they've done a lot for frontline workers. And uh, Tony, have I've always wanted to participate in the Krispy Kreme challenge at yep. NC State. Never done it. <laughs> I've always wanted to. I haven't. So what that is, it's for charity, all for charity. But what you do is you run, and I can't remember, is it two miles? Is it two miles from the NC State campus to the Krispy Kreme, eat a dozen donuts, and run two miles back? Yeah, it's two or three. You're absolutely right. Get there. And the trick is squishing down six of them, eating them, squishing down six of them while you're running with your box. You So you get run your box. And you run it back to the campus. And there's also, you don't have to do it. You don't, you no. can just basically. There's the done. casual one. There's the casual yeah, there, one. There's the casual, the, and it's all for charity. So I'm just saying, Krispy Kreme is an amazing, amazing charitable company around here. So that's why we support them too. Oh yeah. And I mean, from charity standpoint, I remember the um, youngsters standing on the corner down in Charlotte as I would cross over from the parking deck to the office buildings. Mm-hmm. And they would have their dozens. They'd get these huge discounts of dozens. Oh, here come all these office workers in. And here's this cute little kid standing there with a wagon full of Krispy Kreme dozens. <laughs> I mean, it's just like shooting fish in the barrel right there, especially on a Friday. You know, you know you're, you're done. You've, you've sold off. I'm sold off in 30 minutes. You know, I'm sold out. But all right. A board game podcast. You got any board, board game games? Podcasts. And you and I did something really cool a couple of weeks ago. We got together and streamed um, a few games. We streamed a Quora, uh, which is on our YouTube and Twitch channels, and which we've already talked about on the show. But we also got to stream two additional games, the new Wonder Woman Hero Clicks game and War Chess Siege. Wonder Woman! I can't sing the rest of it. I forgot. Some battles. Da, 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 da. I just never mind. It's just da 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 da. Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. So anyway, it, it, that was that was an interesting stream. Um, as we were trying to relearn the rules, and people immediately bashed us on the comments. You know, maybe you should learn the rules before you started the stream. I 100% agree. But we did say at the very beginning, we are all learning this together. <laughs> what did you expect? I hadn't played. We just wanted to show off what this looked like. Yeah. What it would be like. Well, you need to, I haven't played Hero Clips in years. So I don't, you know, I never go back and read those comments. I will say this, and you can go back and, and look at what we did and everything, but playing Hero Clicks again, the starter edition, which is this is a great way to get into the game. It's like 10 figures, nice boards, different stack cards for beginners and more advanced people. Hero Clicks is a solid game. It is a solid built game with very basic rules but a lot of design space for special abilities and everything uh, to make the game very unique between the different characters that they have. Yes. And I had forgotten all the stuff behind the characters. I mean, when I got there and I was flipping through that pamphlet thinking, oh my heavens, what is all this? I don't remember it being this intense. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember from when we said in the stream, I remember what it was that I just didn't get into it chasing the rares and all that stuff, overpowered um, figures from that standpoint. So, But if you just want to play it for fun, it's a great way to get into those miniatures. It is. And the you talk about the little pamphlet, which is basically the player's guide, the reference guide, is amazing. 
is amazing because everything on the stat dial is color-coded for your attacks and your defense. That is so cool, too. As you rotate down and take damage, you get different abilities that come and go, etc. And you got that little guide right there to show you, okay, for the attack, the red means this. Oh, okay, I know what to do with this. So mm -hmm. as you're learning the game, that is a great thing to follow. And the rules are really straightforward because we had the old rule book from 2011, which is like a, you know, a pamphlet with two columns on each page, no pictures to nice, a big full color booklet and everything like that. There's so many helpful videos out there for learning the rules. So if you want to get into hero clicks, this wonder woman 80th anniversary edition is a great way to jump into the game. Great looking miniatures. I'm sure you can go back and use some of the old hero clicks if you want to, to bring them forward. Who knows where this can go, but the only thing is, and this got you in the game. Cause when we were streaming all these games, I only played one game and that was the hero clicks. I had, I didn't even come close to playing Cora, I sucked so bad at that game. <laughs> and then War Chess, I guess I was tired. I don't know. So War Chess Siege is the brand new expansion mm -hmm. coming out. And uh, they've introduced fortifications. That's one of the big things about this one in that uh, at the beginning of the game, uh, you've got a random card that's going to be dealt out that shows you where fortifications are going to go. And so fortifications are basically, they're, they're neutral areas that you can walk into. But once you're in there, to get you out, the, the person must attack that area that you're in with the fortification. The fortification will be the first thing that goes before you take damage. So it's like you're inside a defensive structure at that point. Would it be like a fort? Like a fort, yeah. So again, there's neutral forts that you can come in, take possession of just by walking into it. Then the person has to take out the fort, then take you out before they can take over that location. So it's a really cool concept. And they introduced four siege weapons, such as the war wagon, where you're pushing around a wagon that can do damage to adjacent places. But uh, one of my favorites, the one that's used, trebuchet. I love trebuchets, and it does exactly what you think it's going to do. That is a long-range attack, baby. Lob them cows. Yeah. <laughs> Or was that the catapult that they were doing on Monty Python? It, it was a catapult, yeah. It was a catapult. But I remember, you remember playing in uh, Age of Empires? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I would just line the areas with trebuchets, man. But the problem with them is they weren't mobile. Correct. It's like a siege Correct. tank from StarCraft. Yep. But yep. siege tank could at least move, you know. Siege tank would lock down and start bombing everything, and then you'd have to disengage it. But yes, uh, and then the catapult, and then what was the other one? Sapper? A sapper, which allowed you to actually build fortifications. So once a fortification was gone, this thing would allow you to be able to drop it. Right. A new one. And, and when we were playing, I was trying to set up my trebuchet such that I would be lobbing into where you had a fortification, but you quickly took over. I, beautiful thing about war chest. You pulled out the right chips at the right time. I unfortunately did not get there in time. And therefore you were able to lock down the um, control points. And I was like, dang it. If I only had pulled that right chip, I may have been able to dislodge you and kept the game going. Fast playing game. War Chest Siege is out now. The latest expansion for War Chest. Guys, go show some love to this game. I'd like to see some more expansion for it. We've You've got the base game. You've got two expansions. It's an incredible productions with the, with the poker chips. They are so fun to play with. And again, remember, uh, War Chest basically came from Undaunted. Um, basically, they had the Undaunted line and they wanted to simplify it down to this game. So if you're a fan of Undaunted and want to play something that may be a little bit lighter, check out War Chest from Alderac. Out now, 
show us some love because I want to see some more from that game. I'll admit I'm heavily into my Switch, still playing um, Phoenix Rising. Yep. However, you've almost got me to push the button on Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter Rise, that is. So here's the thing. Never pre-order a game from Best Buy. I've done it <laughs> twice and gotten screwed. Okay. Uh, there's a steel case. I wanted the steel case. And they said it will be there by Friday. Tony, we are recording this on uh, Sunday after the release of the game. And as of now, it's supposed to get here sometime tomorrow. I have not played the game. But my three sons... Hey, that was a TV show. Boy, that one just really dated me, didn't it? Do, 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 do. <laughs> you, remember, you remember the uh, intro? Yeah, tapping uh, the foot. Uh, tapping. <laughs> oh, oh we God. are so Squirrel. old. Sorry. Okay, so uh, they've been playing uh, all weekend for hours upon hours. And I said, well, what do you guys think? They, they're going to do this big podcast on one of their Twitch channels to decide which is better, World or Rise. They're huge Monster Hunter fans. But I don't know if you watched any reviews of the game. Yes. Some of my favorite people, and they have been loving the game. So here's the thing. Monster Hunter Rise, I've never played before, so I'd love to play with people. You can play solo. You can play with up to four people. So there's a couple people in our Discord channel that said they're going to get the game, and we're going to do some hunts. Basically, we all pick a quest. We're going to get together and go do some hunts. So if you're interested in playing Monster Hunter Rise and you got it, please come to our Discord channel that you can find on RollDiceTechNames.com. Come join us for some hunts. They only take like an hour to do. And it'd be a lot of fun. Maybe I'll maybe we'll stream some of those. But yeah, Tony, it's it's one of those things that the single player story I heard takes about twelve hours. That's the short part. Got to hunt them all, sort mm. of deal okay. uh, of the game. It's the thrill of trying to hunt the right thing that drops the right thing to make your weapon better. They've already announced they're going to do releases in the future to add new zones, new monsters, and everything. Again, I've never played either. But all I know is my boys are obsessed with it, and every review I've watched have absolutely loved it. So one of the things, and you corrected me on this, you, you said it wasn't an RPG, but every review I've watched have said it's an RPG. I don't understand that because you don't pick a role. Everybody's just a hunter. You pick a weapon that you're going to use, but anybody can pick any weapon. Anybody can get good at that particular weapon. So there's not archetypes. You don't level up. You can make your weapons better by the stuff that you get and do the crafting. So I'm not sure where the role playing is coming from. Maybe they're thinking of the questing because someone also told me that in previous Monster Hunters, you really didn't have that solo play. It was simply online play. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I haven't heard any. That's what kept me from buying it is I had heard that it was a game where you do not have solo play. You have to be online. 100% because I'm looking into the other room right now. My son's playing uh, right now solo. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested in, I mean, you'll give me a good break from Phoenix Rise and Elder, whatever, Oblivion, whatever. Scrolls. Elder Scrolls, yeah. Skyrim. Skyrim. Wow, that's old school. Yeah, Golf Story and everything else. So I, I was interested in that. Now you did, and you were able to get this cranked up. It's got Arkham on, so I know you'll enjoy Arkham. And you did a stream of Arkham Horror Mother's Embrace for the Switch. Yes, I've done two streams for it. So I played the prologue and I played the first chapter. It's really cool playing the game in that you're, you're playing the iconic characters. Like I'm playing Harvey Walters from the game and everything. It is very much uh, a lot of dialogue there is a lot of reading so heads up this is tony if you do not like narrative games with a lot of story and a lot uh, you, you might want to avoid this one because 
It's almost like a, one of the classic JRPGs where you're spending 30 minutes reading, five minutes doing some actions. Wow. Really? <laughs> oh, I'm going to give this bad boy a try. I got to give this bad boy a try. It is a, uh, it's not giving away too much. So there's a murder and basically you're trying to solve the murder, right? So you're going to go around, you're going to try to get clues, you're doing a lot of visiting. The combat, the action part of the game is probably the thing that's most interesting and also somewhat tedious also. It is a turn-based game and you have a party of like two or three people in your, in your party. You have an initiative value, and then whoever gets to go first gets to go, and they have five action points that they can spend. The action points can be spent to move. The further you move, the more action points you use. They can be used to attack. Some weapons take four action points. Some weapons take three. Some people have spells. They have like AOE effects and different effects. So those can take two or three action points. You can use items or trade items. Those take a couple action points. So once you use your action points, you're done. It goes on to the next person. So again... Turn-based game, which is fine, except that you cannot skip player animations and some of the combat and everything is somewhat sluggish. Um, it's not very fluid. One thing that was really getting to me is when I move, like I said, the further you move, the more action points you use. If I was between using two action points and moving to use a third action point, when I was in between, I couldn't accept it. It was like, I can't tell whether you're on the two action point or the three action point, which was really kind of bothersome to me. And then when I finally locked it in and I went to use a weapon, it may go, oh, well, you're not close enough to them to use it. Mm. But yet there's a there's a red circle around that shows them. It looks like they're in the little red for me to be able to use it. I can't. You can't undo a move. One thing I think that would really help this game, and maybe this will come in a patch. This is Asmodee Digital. Let me undo a move. I can understand not undoing an attack because an attack is based on RNG. So you're going to have a range of attack. You might do a critical hit or et cetera. I can understand not being able to undo an attack, but let me undo a move. So there is some strategy in that. I just wish it was more fluid. Fluid is a good word. The, the combat is not as fluid as I, was, I would like it to be. Again, very interesting narrative, very interesting story, but just be ready that when you go into combat phase, it does slow down a little bit. Okay. That's fine. I can deal with that. I'm, I'm a slow player. I like taking my time. Enjoy the scenery. Is Richard Lanius reading to me? No, no, he's not. Uh, there's some oh. stuff that you... Oh, by the way, it's extremely important that you read everything. I'm talking everything. <laughs> and you talk to everybody. Because I was going through the room talking to people. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I go to the library. And I'm supposed to get a book. And if you make a wrong choice, this is kind of, this is kind of interesting too. Sometimes they give you a choice. And it's a 50-50 chance. And if you choose right, awesome. If you choose wrong, there's a mythos clock. This is kind of cool. There's a mythos clock that you get dinged on. And if the mythos clock ever does one full revelation, everybody takes a sanity hit. Boom, across the board. Mm. You have sanity and health that you have to, to monitor. And sometimes it's like, you don't know. It's just a 50-50% chance. Well, uh, um, 50-50 chance on how, how well you're going to do. So there are these books. There are six books. It's like, I don't know which one it is. I'm getting dinged left and right, picking the wrong one. I went, wait a minute. In that one room, is that one student give me a hint? Went back to that room. And sure enough, that person said, oh, yeah. I think the book that that the person was interested in is on the third bookshelf. And the author's name was such and such. There you go. That's what I needed to know. So I go back in there and find the right book. So... Again, it's a slow-moving game, slow-paced, a lot of reading, but it is in the Arkham universe. 
I enjoyed the Arkham Universe. You get to see a lot of the same characters that you used to visit locations like Miskatonic University and everything like that. So if you're interested in that, it is on the PC and it is out on Steam for $19.99. But you played it on the Switch, didn't you? I'm sorry. I said it to you. It's out on the Switch and it's out on PC. Gotcha. And I played on the Switch. Yes. Yes. And I'm fine. I mean, shoot. In Skyrim, I'm reading every book I come across. So that's yeah. okay. So I've got I've been doing the reading. That's fine. The only difference is between Skyrim and this is Skyrim is, you know, an action-based combat. This is turn-based. A real-time-based versus turn-based. Anything else on the board game side? Because, I mean, on, on my side, I brought out, uh, when we haven't been playing in our weekly meetup, I got to play Azul again. Uh, so that's a classic. I don't know if you've played that in a while. People really love that game. I need to get Stained Glass. I think uh, Donna would enjoy uh, Stained Glass. And um, I also need to get the upgrades components. Azul is just, it's, it's such a fun game. Such a relaxing game. Non-stress game. And um, we finished My City finally. We're done with it. Did you enjoy that? It was very tight for us as far as final scoring. I liked how the end, how Reiner Knizia writes you a little personal note at the end about enjoying the game and things like that. Some of the mechanisms that came in at the end were very interesting. Yes, if you have not played My City from last year and you have a good group that can do a legacy style game, recommend My City. That is such a that, that was such a good game if you like putting those Tetris pieces together. It it was really fun to go through that whole eight chapters or 24 episodes total. So it, it, was, it, was, it was a solid game. I think, I think Vanessa would enjoy that. She did enjoy trying out a new game from Floodgate Games called Holly or Holy. Holy, which is based on the Indian Festival. And mm. we actually played the weekend of it. It's uh, March 28th, the 9th of March 28th through um, March uh, 29th. And this is the festival in India where they have the, a lot of the colors and people are throwing colors and everything. And the, and that's the kind of the theme of the game. Each of you are throwing colors and kind of trying to get colors on each other. But what's cool, have you seen the board where it's, it's a three-level board? Uh, basically, you construct this board where there's a, a clear plastic piece on the bottom, there's a mid-tier, and there's an upper tier. And you have a player piece on the bottom that you move around the board and try to throw your colors out. And you have these cards that you're dealt, and it says that your colors must be distributed in this sort of sort and pattern like a v-shape or in a line or whatever and on your turn you have the option to move your player character around and then you must always play a card and when you play a card it's like all right i'm going to do this pattern here the pattern is always of three colors your character is one of those colors and then you must fill in the other two there's so the spaces on the board must be open for you to be able to put those colors so you got to make sure you find an open spot. The whole goal of the game is get as many of your colors on the board as possible because they're worth victory points at the end of the game. Now, at some point in time, you're going to want to move up to the second level. And to do that, you just must be in a space where you have a color, somebody's color token orthogonally to you on the four sides. You have an optional action to move up to the next layer. Now, once you go to the next level, you can no longer go back down. But then you should rinse and repeat. Start throwing out your colors again. But now on the second layer, all color tokens are worth two points. The ones on the bottom are worth one. Then it adds a Z-axis aspect, Tony, because when you throw a color token on the board... By the way, I didn't explain this. The transparent layers are basically have little wells to put your token in so it holds them. So it's very easy. They don't slide all over the place. If you throw a color onto the board 
and the well or spot beneath it, level below it, does not have a token, it actually falls through to the bottom. Oh, cool. You always want to throw colors where they won't fall because you want to keep yours on the level that you threw it. So then you can go all the way to the third layer eventually, and those colors up there were three points. But when you drop a color, you need to check the spot below it on the second level. If there's not a token there, it falls. Check on the le- on the spot below it on the first. If there's nothing there, it falls. So another little cool thing too is you can throw colors on people. So if I happen to be able to get into a certain spot and play a card where I can place one of my color tokens and it hits you where your player marker currently is, haha, awesome, I got color all over you, my color's on you, and then I take my token and I give it to that player. And at the end of the game, I count up all my tokens that other players have and they're worth two points each at the end of the game. So it's another way to get victory points. So I'm trying to throw color a a token where it would hit your piece and then i would be able to collect a a point immediately for a direct hit and then two points in in the game the game plays two to four players it's 20 to 40 minutes so it's about 10 minutes per player we easily knocked out a game in in 20 minutes it is a quick moving game oh the game ends when you've you've used all your tokens basically or gone through your entire deck and once that happens it triggers the end of the game and it's literally as easy as counting Number of tokens on the top layer times three, mm-hmm. second layer times two, bottom times one. There are all these other little tokens called sweets that are pre-populated on the board. And if you happen to land your marker on one of the sweet tokens, you collect those. For every person that you have more sweet tokens than, you get five points. Another way to get more victory, so you're looking for majority. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, But in a four-player game... You may have more than two people, so you'll get 10 points, but there may be the fourth person that has more than all three of you, they would get 15. So it's five points per every person you have more sweet tokens than. And if that gets boring for you, there's also rivalry cards, which changes the rules of the game. Oh, cool. Uh, Basically, it adds additional scoring variants at the end or changes the rules of the game as you play. And those, those are set at the beginning of the game so you know what they are. Uh, so again, a lot of variability to the game. It plays quick. It looks really cool on the table. It has a um, game trays insert for storing everything. Really cool. Floodgate games. Holy. If you like an abstract game, that's 100% what this is. Total abstract game that adds in this whole Z, X, Y, and Z mechanic to it. It's, it's really cool. And dexterity. No dexterity. Even though you're throwing, you're not really throwing. You're placing. <laughs> But this is one of those things that I want to give to you and Donna and let y'all try it out because I think you may like it. Well, I mean, Floodgate has did one of our favorite games, Sagrada. Love that sure. game. Love the game yes. on the Switch. Love the game. Uh, we play it constantly. It's I tell you, you keep going back to the well and for certain games, and Sagrada is one of those that she always wants me to get out. So and I'm fine with that. I'm like, I love this game too. I, I love how fast paced. And this sounds like it's right up there with us uh, as far as uh, streamline. Not a lot of AP. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh, not a lot of AP. You only got three cards in your hand. So mm-hmm. the only AP is, so the cards can be rotated any way you want. And when you move, you can move to any open spot on the board. So it's just looking for an open spot to put your marker so that you can center this card on top of it and and put your tokens in any open spots. So obviously as a level becomes filled, you'll want to move up so that you have more open areas that you can have to work with. The falling thing is cool because then you're looking for areas that has 
make sure that there's it's not open below you so it doesn't fall through. Oh, I also got to play Strike. Awesome. Awesome game. Incredible game. If you haven't heard about it, it's, it's uh, Gladiators in an Arena, but we played that as well. But you and I did get to play one before we go into our, our big rules that I want to mention, and that was mm-hmm. from Rio Grande Games. You, me, and Bert sat down and we played a game called Southern Rails. Mm-hmm. And this game can play, you know, it's designed by Winsome Games. Um, You can pick it up at Miniature Market. It's under $30, and it is a train game. Well, it's not designed by Winsome Games. It's not. It's published by Winsome Games. It's designed by John Bohr, B-O-H-R-E-R. Well, if you go to the Rio Grande Games website, and it says designer Winsome Games. So do they owe me $5? Yes, they should owe you $5. Winsome Games published this, and Rio Grande Games has picked it up and is also publishing it, but the designer is John Bower. Well, I appreciate you doing that and getting this called up there. I'm just reading what's there on the page. No, I I totally understand that. I totally understand that. I'm going to read you something else from the page, too. Southern Rails is a fast-playing game for three to five players in the tradition of simple but engaging rail games like Transamerica and Northern Pacific. It's a train game. Yep. It's not a pickup and deliver train game. It is a stock game. Mm-hmm. Players at the beginning of their turn get to draft two stocks. Yep. During the game, you play based on the stocks you pick. You are building rails from a city out across the southern part of the United States towards Atlanta, Mobile, wherever. And what you're trying to do is when you are building those rails, you're trying to drive up the stock price of that railroad in which you own. After a scoring round, you look for which trains have various majorities, which gives you the ability to increase your victory points if you own that stock. Next round, you get to draft one stock, and you go back, rinse and repeat, and you keep doing that until the various conditions are met for end of game. It is a very simple, and it is definitely fast-paced game because what causes a scoring round is when a railroad has 10 tracks laid or 10 cubes placed on the board so on your turn you're just picking cubes off the board that's right? it that's it you're just yeah. picking cubes up and you're and placing, placing them. them on the track the only rule restriction is is that you must own that stock mm-hmm. in order to pick that color cube to place on the board and there's restrictions about how many cubes can be in certain colors on the board things like mm-hmm. that and so if someone else owns that stock they may help you out Right. But probably the most interesting part of Southern Rails for me was the way the strategy comes in. If two things are tied for majority, nobody scores those points. Yep. In fact, we did that a lot, didn't mm-hmm. we? If I, if we saw that one of us was going to get something, we made jerry-rig it to make sure that that person ends up being tied with somebody so that they get nothing. But you got to have that stock. So you got to be looking at it from that standpoint because you could be hurt too. Because if you have that stock as well, then you may want to keep someone from not doing that. And there's where the strategy of this game lies. It's not in the strategic part of, well, maybe I missed it, but from picking the stocks, it was, and placing the cubes, it was, how do I control that majority? And I think that's what people need to realize. It's not mm-hmm. this huge economic 18x game. No, no, no. It's none of that. It's it's not railways of the world. Um, so it's well, like I said, it's a great entry level game for that standpoint. That's exactly what when we played it, we said, "Man, this is a really good, like you said, entry level for somebody who has never seen a board like this with this idea of cubes 
and using those cubes to build tracks and a simple concept of, of a stock market and having to own stocks to do things. For somebody who's never played a train game, I think this is a good one to start with. Mm-hmm. If you've played train games, you probably want to graduate to other things. And I think, you know, last year we played golf mobile in Ohio mm-hmm. from Rio Grande games and absolutely love that game. That one has a little bit more depth and complexity than what Southern rails does. If somebody's never played this style of game, I would not start at that game. Instead, I'd pull out Southern rails and say, let's do this one first. Let's just make sure you understand the idea of to be able to do something. You need to own this stock mm-hmm. and to be able and you want to create these color lines between these different color cities and try to have majority in those colored cities so that you can earn victory points at the end of the round sort of deal. It's just simple concepts to learn. And then from there, okay, now let's move to Gulf Mobile in Ohio. That's exactly how I would do it. I would pull this out. If I want to eventually get someone to work up to um, Railways of the World or um, even the factory one. Oh, God, what was the name of that? One of our favorite games. Oh, the Chicago game. Oh, never mind. I've, oh, my gosh. That one, City of the Big Shoulders? Yeah. Lord, Tony, that is a jump from, oh, my gosh. So you got to start in small. Well, I know, but it's not like you're going to go from Southern Rails to City of the Big Shoulders. Holy cow. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Hey, Dad, I got this little train game for you. Cool, cool. What do you think? You know, I'd show him. It's like, oh, that's pretty simple. Awesome. Let me show you this game, City of the Big Shoulders. Like, holy crap, what is going on? Uh, they're both stock games. Why are you not getting this? Why are you not understanding the concept here? I showed you this game about controlling stock and area majority and things like that. What, what's wrong with that? And by the way, this, this designer knows his train games because he also designed Paris Connection, which we liked, mm. and uh, Ride the Rails from Capstone Games. Oh, yeah, there you go. And we talked about Ride the Rails. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, so this guy has made a lot of train games. Again, to me, this is the one It's like, you know what? Entry-level train game, you're good to go with this one. Absolutely. Under 30 minutes of play. Uh, we played it with three players. I'd be interested to see what it'd be like with five. I think there'd be, I think it'd be even quicker with five players to be like, boom, boom, boom. It's over in no time. I think there'd be a lot more strategy with the higher totals and players. So but with three, with five players to get a train game in under thirty minutes, uh, I don't know if five players to play in thirty minutes. It says sixty minutes. Well, I think we moved that quick. Maybe, maybe it would. I don't know. Yeah. Sixty minutes is the max. Maybe if you knew what you were doing. But yeah, that's probably true. So it could be a stretch. But maybe if you're just throwing cubes on the board like you were doing with a with uh, color patches, just throwing those out there. Just, <laughs> that's true. So, but anyway, Southern Rails, Rio Grande Games, good entry level. Maybe a great game to bring in those 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds. Just mm-hmm. just throwing that out there. On BGG, they have a list of 14-plus. I think somebody below 14 could play it. Oh, yeah. I agree. I don't know if you've been on the internet recently. I have. Well, that's good because I am sure you have seen, since you go look at board games and things, these splash ads that have come up. It's even showing up in my Facebook, showing up on my Twitter, all these ads, Instagram, all these ads. Something is going on over at GameFound.com. Some project is out there. Here's the problem. Ignacy says you got to start every good commercial with the problem. So what's the problem, Tony? The problem is that... There is this incredible project that's going to suck my wallet dry. Mm -hmm. And that is from Portal Games. 
us.com. Go ahead and throw that in there for the Robinson Crusoe collector's edition. Now this thing got funded in, Oh, I don't know. 18 minutes and 14 seconds. <laughs> How did I know that? Because it says so right there on the gamefund.com page. Goal reached in 18 minutes and 14 seconds. Why don't you have it flash and say, this was a success, people. Bing, 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 bing. It's, it's, he didn't even have to put his day one stretch goal out there, if, it's, if you call it a stretch goal. Which, by the way, <laughs> is an incredible sandcastle that you can build at the beach. Okay, maybe it's not a sandcastle. Maybe it's the Robinson Crusoe Fort Compound Fortification. That thing's incredible. It's amazing to look at. This collector's edition, if you're a fan of, of this game, this is something you need to go check out. These miniatures. He, he just released the dog that will help everybody in the solo version. The miniature of that. The various add-on campaigns. All that. Every day, a new secret mission, new stretch goal is being released. We're talking a total value of 115 euros. Since they don't have the dollar page dollars here, I'm not going to convert. So just go 1.25 times 115. You can figure it out for yourself. A lot of stuff going on. Deck of inventions are out there. That was day six. Ah, just tons of stuff to add to your enjoyment of Robinson Crusoe game that will beat you down. It will hurt you. It will make you cry. It is a game that you need to get to the table and win. And after it just devastates you, you'll want it back on the table. Of course, no game can take advantage of you like that. You will prove it wrong. But I guarantee you, Robinson Crusoe will be back and it will just slap you silly. But you do know that a sunny day at the beach is in there. So you know it's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. to help you out and Tony you said if you're a big fan of Robinson Crusoe let me just say if you've never played Robinson Crusoe this is what you want this, this is, is it. it this is the jumping in point the collector's edition pledge is $100.15 and that gives you the collector's edition plus all the stretch goals the everything in pledge which includes the book of adventures etc is $135 but if you just want to start just with the basic game 100 bucks the book of adventures was inspired by Jaws of the Lion from Gloomhaven where Ignacy saw that said what a brilliant idea to put adventures into a book form and make it easier to play and set up and everything so that's that's what this is so yes veterans of the game you want to for sure check it out if you've never played the game this is an evergreen co-op game Tony I mean when you think of top five co-op board games of all time wouldn't most people probably throw Robinson Crusoe in here or like pandemic etc absolutely and only idiots would trade away Robinson <laughs> that would be me y'all I did this a long time ago my wife was not a big fan but I'm I'm a big fan of the game love the game she likes to win I like to show a game that I can win I like to be challenged and that's what this game does so be sure to head over to the portalgamesus.com website. I'm sure they'll have a link or just go type into the Google search or whatever search engine you want to use, gamefound.com or just type in gamefound Robinson. Boom, it'll take you right there. Ignacy is circling in on 1 million euros here and it's got 15 days left um, from the time of this recording on March the 28th. So when this episode comes out, there'll be uh, about eight days left. So be sure to check it out. So I hope you all check it out. (laughs) 
Tony, one of my all-time favorite designers is Corey Koneska. Look at the list of games that he's come out with over the years that we thoroughly enjoy. Only need to see one. I know, but let me go through all of them. Okay. One of the first games we ever played, massive games, StarCraft, the board game. That's it. I'm done. Battlestar Galactica, the first Mansions of Madness, Descent 2nd Edition, Eldritch Horror, Forbidden Stars, which is like a spiritual successor to StarCraft. He did Star Wars Destiny, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, Star Wars Out of Realm. I would say Star Wars Rebellion, but I have no clue how to play that. I know you don't, but Outer Rim, that was a game I really enjoyed. Yep, and there's the expansion for that. We should get the expansion and try it sometime. That was really good. Since this time, he has left FFG and started his own publishing company. And the name of that company is Unexpected Games. And his first game out is called The Initiative, which is a cooperative deduction game. You and I got an early copy of this game. And this is a narrative game that you're basically going to play through just once. It's just kind of a one and done and played through this like 16 scenarios. And there's a story that's to be told in that amount of time. Now, there's going to be zero spoilers in this. We're just going to talk about how the game plays, what we think, and tell you nothing else other than that. The story is driven through reading of a comic book. To start out the game, there you're going to play your first story, your first campaign, and there is a card that will tell you to set up the map, and then you're kind of off and running, and you go from there. That's it. Good review. I hope you all enjoy it. Well, I, swear, I'm, I was sitting eat popcorn while I'm I finished. I finished up my dessert, too, so we're, we're good. What did you good. have? Oh, I had a, a single Pop-Tart. They didn't have a dual pack, just a single. Cherry flavor. Was it frosted? I think mm-hmm. it was frosted. Wasn't frosted, it? yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you eat it or freeze it or anything? Was it in the free throw? Do you like frozen better no. or heated? No, uh, plain, straight. straight. Really? You don't like it yeah. either way? Yeah. So is this how we're going to not spoil anything when we'll talk about food during our uh, initiative? <laughs> Just wondering about that. So without giving away, we can't give away the game because it would ruin it for a lot of people. But I mean, it's very basic mechanics. You will be taking four actions during this game. And in order to take these actions, you play a card on the action. And for instance, uh, you want to move. You would play this card on move. But here's the kicker. Yeah, let's just say the deck of cards is made up of four different suits. Each suit has cards ranging from a value of 1 to 12. Right. So with that in mind, then you need to know that when if I play a, a card, doesn't matter what the suit is, I play a card on move. It will have a number 1 through 12. When I play that, The next card that goes on that move action has to be higher than that card. So if I were to play a move uh, card with a 12 on it, that messes everybody else up. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Tony. Now I can no longer move my guy on this board because there's a board that's set up at the very beginning of the game. It's a simple map. By the way, this has a high school theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, it's high schoolers. That's not really giving anything away. And there's a couple different maps that you can use based on which, whichever the scenario is. And uh, you have each of you play a character. And you can, by playing a card like you said, Tony, is move your character through the map. And what you're trying to do is discover clues. Simple clues that will help you solve the challenge that is before you. And I'm mm-hmm. just going to leave it at that. Because that, that's, the, that's the core of the game. That you're trying to solve this challenge. And you do that by collecting clues. And as you progress through the stories, you will have different challenges before you. 
that will make it harder for you to complete that chapter of the game, that chapter of the comic book. But it still keeps that core mechanic of playing cards on these actions. Now, there is the move. There's the get a clue or investigate. Gather. Mm -hmm. There's gather. And then there's the one where you can investigate the clues, find out what they are. Yeah, so there's clues pre-populated on the board based on the scenario that are Mm -hmm. faced down. And one of the actions is is you can flip up a couple clues uh, around the board to see what they are. And Tony, without giving away the whole puzzle thing, I think we can say the mechanic of the puzzle itself. So you're given this plastic device that kind of looks like you you said at first. It looks like the Wheel of Fortune board where it has these uh, windows in this device with these little plastic covers that can expose what's underneath it. That card that has the map on one side has the the puzzle you're trying to figure out on the other. And without looking, you slide it into the device. And then when you see it, you'll see that there's a bunch of uh, hidden things behind these windows that you want to try to open over the course of the game to solve the puzzle. And how that's done is above each window is a symbol or a glyph. The clues that uh, Tony was referring to that are on the board that we can investigate and gather, some of those are the symbols on this card. So when I gather a clue that matches a symbol on the card, I get to open the cute little window that shows what's behind it. And there are traps. It's a trap! Literally. Literally. It could be security cameras. That cause problems. Oh, security cameras are bad because if you're in a room with security camera at the end, you have to discard a card from the resource pile to the discard pile. And we'll explain why that's bad in just a second. Mm-hmm. That's There's gas. Oh, you got to discard a random card from your hand. That's not good. Mm-hmm. And there's some other traps. I don't want to expose these, Marty. Let's just let people discover okay. them on their own. On because, their own. Because that's how this game should be. Yeah, that's true. Discovered on your own. I'm sorry, Tony. I think there is a couple important ones that is extremely important. Now, these traps are, from the very beginning of the game, are the ones that actually block those actions that we talked about. Mm. So there's a four actions. You may discover a trap where that token gets put on uh, top of an action that blocks that action from being taken. So you can't do it anymore. So you can't do move. You can't do gather. You can't do investigate. But there is one fourth action, Tony, that we haven't talked about. Regroup which will basically remove all tokens off the top of a stack plus clear the cards off one of the stacks. Right. But regroup has the same rules to it. You must play an ascending card and you can never regroup regroup. That's right. That's the sticky point. So if somebody comes along and plays a high card on the regroup, it's like, dude, you've just screwed away the number of chances we have to regroup this entire game. Mm-hmm. And during the whole process of the game, you were you know, playing cards, drawing cards back into your hand, and eventually the deck runs out. Now, that's not the end of the adventure. Mm-mm. You take the discard pile, you shuffle in four new cards, which are stopwatches. And those are now seated into the deck. So as you go through this deck again, if you were to happen to draw up to three total stopwatches, the game ends and you don't get to solve it. So there's your push your luck. Do you want to keep drawing cards to be able to keep doing actions or do you want to try to solve the puzzle? Mm -hmm. And if you don't solve the puzzle correctly, then there's some ramifications to that as well. Yeah, there is no try again. 
If you fail, you continue the story. If you succeed, you continue the story. So it's not like, uh, say, Pandemic Legacy, where, you know, in uh, season one, where you got to try a month again and see if you could do better. No, you either succeed or fail. And Tony, the thing with the stopwatches, one of the stopwatch cards has two stopwatch icons on it. The others only have one. So if I draw a stopwatch, then you're pushing your luck of like, if I happen to draw that one stopwatch card that has two stopwatch icons on it, then the game ends immediately at that point because there's three mm-hmm. stopwatch icons showing. Right. Now, everybody's sitting here going, well, if I have to draw cards, this is going to happen to me. Well, in the next, in that second round, when the stopwatches get seated, you are in peril. You don't have to draw cards. But if you don't have cards in your hand, you can't do any actions. <laughs> well, that's, that's not fun. Well, that's where being smart and figuring out the puzzle pays off that's where you've got to plan accordingly simple simple mechanics yeah so well done yeah and every character has a special ability much like pandemic each of us has something that could help one person can help move one person was easier at gathering clues one person was easier at investigating and maybe getting rid of the traps before they they get us the kicker tony is to use your character's ability you have to discard two cards to the discard pile. Now, typically, you just take one card and put it in either the move, gather, investigate, or regroup. But to use your ability, you must discard two cards, which means you're just going to go through that deck quicker because the first time through the deck at the end of your turn, you must redraw back up to four. That will always happen at the end of every turn, first time through. But like you said, the next turn through, when you're in peril with the stopwatches in, well then you're probably not going to want to use your special ability that often because it's costing you two cards to do so at that time. And then you have to decide, boy, how many cards do I want to draw to risk it? And Tony, how many times do we play where the first card drawn off the top after we reshuffled was a stopwatch? It was a lot. But that's where careful planning is. You've really got to think about it. Don't just blindly go into this room trying to figure out the clues without a plan. Because not all the glyphs are going to be used in a puzzle, so some of them are going to be tossed out. When you mm-hmm. discover them, they're not, they're useless to you. So you just got to use your, your brains, work among everybody. And in my opinion, this game does not suffer from that. Uh, you always hear the term alpha player in co-ops where someone just takes over. That's nope. not the issue here. I think this game is great from the standpoint of, I can see where two to four people, great, fun game. Not sure about solo, Marty. Yeah, I mean, so, solo is an option, but the, here's the thing. Let's just talk about the puzzles throughout revealing it, right? Oh, I'll see you do this. So here, here's the thing. The the puzzle is a challenge. It will say, God, I don't even give anything away. It's just going to give you maybe a question or something. And it's like, now you have to solve it. The more windows that you open up, you can open up all 100% and have the answer, right? But more than likely, you're not going to be able to open up all the windows. And then you have to start making some very well-educated guesses at how to solve the puzzle. This isn't giving too much away, but I think I can say it, Tony. And if it's too much, I'll take it out. There are word puzzles. There are numerical puzzles. Okay. I mean, it's fine with me if you want to leave that in. (laughs) I'd I'd let the people discover on their own. But since you said that, I'm going to say... Even if you get 100% of the numerical, you still got to figure something out. Yeah. Okay. 
The word puzzles, not not so much. I just want to at least tease what they kind of are. And it's a lot of different puzzles. So we played six different scenarios. And I think from that, we saw four unique puzzles or five, maybe five unique puzzles. And two of them were kind of the same. And one of them even tripped us up. One of them was like, holy cow, what is this? We have no idea. Oh, we sat there, had to go refresh our drinks, think about it a little bit longer. We finally figured it out. It was so sad. Oh, my heavens. <laughs> so and then when you're done, what you do is you go back to the book and the book will say, well, you're right or you're wrong. And on the back, you have a campaign log and depending on how you do, it'll say, turn to page such and such. And then you'll read the story. And at the end, it'll say, okay, do this next mission or whatever, or jump over to this and read this next part of the story. So the book is a guidebook, depending on how you do, that will progress the story along. It's kind of a young adult story. Wouldn't you say, Tony? It's not dark. It's not mature. The ages listed here are eight plus, which is 100% age appropriate for age plus, eight plus. We never saw anything that would be too much for no. younger kids. No, no. Nothing so far. But like you said, Tony, the gameplay mechanic I think is really cool. You play a card. And it's that playing higher than somebody else. And by the way, you cannot tell people what you have in your hand. Uh, so you can't say, hey, I've got this six over here, so don't play this, or you can play that or whatever. You can just say, mm, be careful, be careful, because I want to take this action. Do not screw me up, <laughs> you know, sort of deal. And then again, uh, once there is a time clock on the game uh, based on the deck. So the game moves quick. They say the scenarios last 30 to 60 minutes. Tony, none of our first six ever lasted more than 30. We yeah. played for three hours and got through six scenarios. So we averaged 30 minutes per scenario. It'll be interesting to see if he takes this and expands it to maybe other stories. Simple, easy to do, I'm sure. But this is a great introductory to this line if it does well. Yeah. I love the simple mechanics of this game. I really do. And so remember how we said that there were four suits numbered from one to 12? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are four suits. That's it. We'll leave that to discover on your own, <laughs> too. And the whole there's, hidden stuff. There's a bunch of there's hidden a, stuff. There's a, yeah, there's a reason for everything. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for everything in this game, and that's what's unique. You're peeling the onion. It's like, oh, that's why that's there. Oh, that's why that exists. Oh, that's why. So that's the brilliance of the game as you play it. It reveals a little bit more. And if you've ever played a legacy game like Pandemic Season 1 or Pandemic Legacy, any of them, you know what we're talking about. The more you play the game, there's these little bits of pieces and tokens and new additional rules that are added that make each campaign feel unique and bring a cool experience. I really hope, Tony, to see more of this. I would love to see a more mature story, a little bit darker, more edgy story. I think that would be really cool. Yes. I agree with you there. Now, you said it. It's a one and done unless you can forget it. Yeah. So keep that in mind. The game can be easily reconstructed. So if you wanted to. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's not let's not say that yet. Okay. Let's you don't not say so? that yet. Because we haven't finished the entire story. This is true. This we, is true. We don't, we don't know yet. That's fair. I'll give you that. Through six campaigns, you can redo it, but that may change. And and guys, we're not going to stop. We've already said this is going to stay in the game bag because it plays so fast. This will be our end of our game night game. We're just going to pull it out and do another scenario because we want to see how the story ends. But if I find out how it ends, then I won't get to play it. Huh? If, if it ends, I can't play it again and again. 
if you don't play, then you're not doing anything with it. I know. There's a dilemma here. Well, that's why we need people to go out and buy this game. You can pre-order over at Miniature Market right now for $47.99. And if it does well, hopefully he'll come out with more of these style games based on these mechanics, which I think, again, are solid. You got a hand of four cards. You play a card. You take an action. And then you yell at them because they messed you up. You yell at your other players because why would you do that? And by the way, you can take two actions per turn. We didn't say that. Marty, why did you do that? I don't understand. Why would you play that card there? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, we, we did get into a bunch of those. But again, a lot of it is we're just, and there's hardly any AP. I mean, because it's it's your open discussion the entire time. A lot of it is looking at that uh, little cute little contraption with the windows going, we really need that symbol right there to open that window. That would really, really help us out. So then we're trying to go through the map and trying to get those particular windows open without hitting the traps and then screwing us up, etc. Fun game, the initiative, Corey Kaneska. Tony, again, I think I think the guy's just brilliant in everything he does. Hey Marty, I was wondering something. Yeah. Have you ever just sat and looked at yourself and thought you were in one of those Geico commercials where they were saying you're turning into your parents? <laughs> Sadly, yes. I yes, I have. <laughs> Me too. Like sometimes I find myself shuffling around after supper with my after dinner coffee, which I have right now. <laughs> In my pajamas on, like at 6.30. The one that gets me is blue. We all see it. Blue. (laughs) I love those commercials. And I do see myself in my mom. But one thing my mom does, she's pretty sharp. And she does a Sudoku puzzle every day. Really? I didn't know that. You didn't know that. Yep. She does Sudoku and my dad likes crossword puzzles. Nice. Yep. And I've always liked finder words. Mm -hmm. But... What I've never really liked Uh until recently is logic puzzles. I have always been terrible at those things. So in elementary school, did you have those where they gave you the logic puzzle and it was like, you know, (laughs) this person lives at this house and this person lives house. This person has a red bike, blue bike. I loved those where it gave you like four things and you had to kind of uh, deduce who went with what, where. I did not like those. Not a fan. My brain thought this is a waste of time. What? What? Just, just go to the house on a blue bike. It doesn't matter. So when I suggested <laughs> that you try this brand new game from Hobba Games called The Key Murder at the Oakdale Club, you probably weren't very excited about it. Oh yeah, you don't remember? I said, oh, I, I stink at these games. I don't. Give me some dice. Let me roll the dice. Let me kill a monster. There's no monsters and there's no dice rolling in this game. And. I loved it. I loved it so much. I will put on my pajamas at 6.30. I will get a cup of coffee and I will play this game to keep my mind sharp. Blue. Squirrel. Here's the deal though, Vanessa. Tell me the deal. There has been three murders. At the Oakdale Golf Club. And we are the key. Ha, the key. (laughs) He's doing air quotes, We are the key to solving these murders. Yes, we are. And we know that these murders occurred at three different times. We know this. 30, 8 o'clock, and 8.15. We know that there's three murder weapons, a trophy, poison, and club. And we also know that there are three locations at the golf club. Golf hole number two, the golf, or the clubhouse, excuse me, and a palm tree. Mm-hmm. And we know that the getaway vehicle... They were all three golf carts, but they were three different colors. 
There was a blue one, a red one, and a green one. With different tag numbers on them. With different tag numbers. So our goal is to determine... Who did it? With what? Where? At what time? And how they got away. That's exactly right. Or what cart they used to get away with. When you hear that, if you've ever done a logic (laughs) puzzle, it is pretty much, okay, I remember doing those all the time. But the way that you solve this is extremely clever because you have, there's all these clue cards that you have that you just spread all over the table. They just tell you, spread them out all over the table. And look, how many would you guess there are? A hundred? There's a lot. And so you just make a mess all over the table. And that's fun because usually you have these neat little piles of cards. So this is just a mess of cards. And each card has different colors on the back. Mm -hmm. Blue, green, red, yellow, gray, black, orange, and purple. And at the beginning of the game, one person will just randomly pick a color. Mm -hmm. And that is the color key. And you actually have a physical wooden key that you put in the middle of the table to remind you of that color. And then the game begins. And what you do is you'll pick up one of these clue cards that matches the color that was picked at the beginning of the game. Yes. Well, on the back, there are there are different colors. There might be three or four different colors on the back of the card. Mm-hmm. And you just pick a card that has your color on it. There may be other colors on it also, which is another way that this is so clever. That and there are can... some cards that don't have your color at all. So you Correct. just ignore those. Yes. But yes. the cards will also have maybe a little bit of... They will have a little bit of information. A little bit of information <laughs> about what this clue is going to give you. That's maybe right. Maybe this will give you a time and a location. Or maybe this will give you the murder weapon. Mm-hmm. Or maybe this will give you something specific about the person like the DNA. I like the DNA <laughs> ones. <laughs> and there's two different types of point values for the clues. The ones that have a four on them give you a lot of information. They mm-hmm. really help you solve the, the puzzle. The ones with the twos are helpful, but not as useful as the ones with the fours. And a lot of times when we were playing, I wasn't even looking at the points on there. I was just looking for the color. <laughs> right. And so then simultaneously, everybody just starts playing the game. Yeah. And you get your card, you read your clue, and you have the best board or what? Is this our word? Is this our... It's a little player shield. Okay. It's uh, not th- a tableau. Well, I guess... Eh, no, I guess it's a little player shield uh, that that's erasable and you have erasable markers. It is extremely nice. So you have one, two, and three sections on your card with each one of the times. And then you have your three suspects, the weapons, the locations, and the carts. And you use your marker to... X off or circle depending on what your clue card gives you. Like I said, the clues can be a lot of different things. They can be like, you remember where I said that uh, each cart has a, a number on it? Yeah, like the tag. Number. Yeah. Like here's one that helps you with the card. It says multiplying any two of the digits never results in 16. Mm-hmm. And that's just a little bit of a clue. Another one is like the red card. And then so the you look cart, at your numbers and figure that out. Yep. And like another one's like the red card was not at hold number two. So you just pick up clues and you start piecing things together. One might have a bloody watch. That's right. A bloody watch that uh, will have like part of the watch covered in blood. And you try to determine when the watch stopped because mm-hmm. that's about the time. Uh, that the murder happened. You have a map that's given to you. Everybody's given a map at the beginning and it'll say it's this amount of time to get from this location to this location. And that might eliminate somebody from using a particular card at a certain time. Right. 
Right. The DNA is cool. Basically, it's just a series of numbers. I mean, it's colors. It's yeah. just a series of colors. And you have this sheet that you can try to find the same series of colors. And that will indicate... Each suspect has their DNA colors. Color coded. A, yeah. Uh-huh, and on a section. And you find that matching code. And mm-hmm. then you know, okay... This DNA goes with this particular person. And that's usually a four-point card because that gives yeah. you a lot of information. When we first started playing this, we were you you seemed to be doing really good the first time we played it. I got bogged down. I was overthinking. Like I was really, really, really overthinking and my brain hurt. And I was like, I'm embarrassed that I can't figure this out. And I read the box and it was like, what? This game is for eight and up, I believe. Yes. <laughs> eight and up. And I read that and I told myself. I said, Vanessa, you can do this game. You can do a logic game. And I just stopped overthinking it. And man, like we've said before, it was the Matrix moment for me. (laughs) And I just started knocking out the clues and the weapons and the getaway golf cart. And I loved it. I had the best, best time. So what happens is... Everybody's doing it at the same time. It's a solitaire game, right? You're not talking to each other. You're not sharing clues. In fact, you're... One thing you want to do is keep your clues behind your board so nobody else can see them. Because somebody else sees one of those clues, you'll help them out. And you're just constantly writing down. And eventually, somebody's going to say, I've solved it, Mm -hmm. and take the key. Mm -hmm. Then, the game doesn't stop. Everybody else gets to continue until everybody has had a chance to solve the puzzle. Then once everyone is done, what you're going to do is you're going to look at your player board. You had mentioned that each uh, there's three sections Mm -hmm. showing all the different uh, combinations. And this is also very clever, too. And so by the end of the game, you would have X'd off everything, and then you have circled who you think, like in the first, in section number one, you have circled who you think did the murder at 730, what weapon they used, the location, and what color golf cart. And then going across the top from sections one, two, and three, there's a man, a woman, and a younger guy, like a teenager, that are the suspects. And let's say, for example, I think in slot number one, the woman did it. In slot number two, the man did it. In slot number three, the young man did it. And what you do is on the back of the card, you look for that combination of those three in order from left to right, and you're assigned a number anywhere from one to six. I don't know if we explained that well, Marty. (laughs) We we, we probably didn't. So... So you have your board, and on your board, you have your three suspects, and under each suspect is the section one, two, and three, where you will have your guesses plotted out. Right. You also have on the board different sections where, like you said, there is a numeric value for each combination that could be. Yes. For each of the different things, like you said, the location. Right, right. So anyway, you'll be assigned a number of one through six. So you have one, two, three, four different things, mm-hmm. four different combinations that'll give you a four-digit number. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody writes their four-digit number on their board secretly. Right. The person who got the key, and this is so cool right here. But I don't think you should tell them. I think it should be a surprise. Well, no, no. This is part of the rules. It explains how you know. So there is a board mm-hmm. uh, with just a bunch of four-digit numbers. Yes. With little holes punched out yes. beside each number. Yes. yes. What you're going to do is the person who took the key mm-hmm. will find the matching four-digit number on this board, mm-hmm. stick their key through the hole, mm-hmm. the colored key, right? flip it over, and if it's in the hole with the same color tag on the back, mm-hmm. then that's the correct guess. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yes, it is cool. And when we played it the first time, you kept it a secret. And it was really neat to not know what was happening and to 
stick the key in there and yeah. see if it matched. Well, I, because as bad as I explained the how you come up with the four-digit number, I wanted to wait till the end of the game so I can <laughs> explain it easier. But yeah, so basically, if you have the purple key, you better hope that whatever hole you stick it through, when you flip to the other side, uh-huh. that you're sticking it through the yellow yeah. little purple yeah. tag on the back. Yeah. It is very Isn't gratifying cool? to do that. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I haven't gotten it right yet. <laughs> Vanessa has gotten it right. No, every didn't you time. get it right the first time? And it was just that I I did it first. You know what I did? I screwed up because I picked up a card that didn't have the right color on it. That was the second time we and that played. Was, that was just, but that was a mistake on my part. I picked yeah. up a card and I it didn't have the correct color on that card, so right. it was a false clue. Yeah. But what's interesting is, is these cards can be used for multiple yeah. colors. Yeah. And so we played it once, just the two of us, and then we played it with your parents. So mm-hmm. we played it with four of us. So we've played it two times, yeah. and I would play it again so anytime. What happens is, yeah, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. So then everybody looks at their four-digit number. Whoever got it right, mm-hmm. you add up all your clue cards that you picked up. Yes. The person who got the key mm-hmm. gets to discard one of their cards, helping their value. And didn't you say a card of a lowest of value? Of a lower value, yeah. yeah. And then whoever has the lowest total wins the game. Yeah. So whoever used the fewest clues basically yeah. wins it. yeah. So even if you finish first and and match the key, you may not win. Right. It is so cool, y'all. It is so (laughs) much fun. If you're intimidated by logic puzzles, I I totally get that. Because sometimes you'll pick up a clue card. It's not enough information to mark something off yet. But just keep it there because eventually you'll go, oh, this clue and this clue together tells me something. If you're intimidated by logic puzzles... Play it anyway. It's that Play it anyway. If an eight-year-old can do it. <laughs> That's right. Tell yourself, if an eight-year-old can do it, then I can do it too. <laughs> and here's the thing. If you feel like, man, I don't want to have my kids playing where they're solving a murder. You know, oh. There is yeah. another version of this game called The Key, Sabotage at Lucky Llama Land. Oh. And you're trying to see who sabotaged some rides at the park. Oh, okay. So there's no murders or deaths or anything like that. There's no bloody watches or anything like that. It's it's all very cartoony (laughs) characters. It is 100% cartoony characters. It's all those killing monsters make me like the bloody watches. (laughs) But if you feel like, you know, "Ah, I got kids. I don't want to be dealing with, you know, solving who killed who sort of deal. Yeah. There are a couple of versions of this game, but they both play the exact same way. And I remember Tony. Wow. I remember Vanessa after we played the first game. You just called me Tony. Hey, Tony, has he ever called you Vanessa? (laughs) (laughs) Total thought gone. So after our first game, I remember you said, well, let's let's say we used orange, the orange key. You said, we can never use the orange key again. And I went, I don't know. There's nine different colors. And I was like, it's a steel trap up here now. I remember. I just won this game. So now I'll remember it forever. Who did what, when, where, with who? Then we played the second game. I said, okay, just out Maybe of curiosity. Like, can you remember? Later? Who, yeah, can you remember what happened in the first game? Went, no. Uh, no. With nine color keys, unless you've got perfect memory or something like that, you're not going to memorize any of these key combinations. So this has a lot of replayability. You've got at least nine different times to play without yep. overlapping. And I tell you, after the ninth time, you're not going to remember what happened the first time around. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I'm ready. I'm ready to play it again. It plays up to four players, and it says uh, on the uh, the box and everything, 20 minutes. That is legit. 
15 oh, yeah. to 20 yeah. minutes because yeah. you're all playing at the same time. The number of players do not matter. You could play solo if you just want to see if you can solve it yourself and what's the lowest value you can get and kind of compete against yourself. The cleverness behind the clues and how you determine if you're right at the end is just what got me. Yeah, I think every time, both times that we've played it, we keep saying, how did they do this? How did they come up with the combinations? How did they make all these cards work, work with multiple to different colors? <laughs> Just, just ingenious. So yeah. this game is from great, Hobba, great game. This game is from Hobba Games designer Thomas Singh. Again, there's two versions of this, and you can get it right now over Hobba's website for only twenty nine ninety nine. Thirty dollar games worth it. Maybe we aren't a Geico commercial yet. Blue. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe we are because I can't open a PDF. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, y'all know we're big fans of Miniature Market, right? I mean, when we go to buy games online, it's going to be at MiniatureMarket.com. They have amazing deals. I mean, every time you go out to the page, there's something for sale. I'm looking at it right now. Up to 65% off on board games. Shop now. Oh, low stock alert. Hey, let you know, Tony, if something's getting ready to go out of stock, if they had been uh, watching that for like uh, Guildmaster, then uh, they may would have uh, known to get that before it uh, went out of stock. Their front page, I love this, always has their new arrivals. You want to know what came out this week, what's brand new, just go to miniaturemarket.com's front page and you can see everything that's new this week. And as always, if you spend over 100 bucks, you get free shipping. To find out more and shop more, go to miniaturemarket.com. What is this low stock alert with a donut? How? What? That's, that's just speaking to me right there. It's not a Krispy Kreme, no. No, it's not. All right, so I think we have a game for Pass the Advil Award already, Marty, if it qualifies for 2021. That is Excavation Earth by David Tertzi and Wei Yi with Gordon Kayeya. Anyway, Evacuation Earth. <laughs> so you, you took you put very long time to say everything else and just skimmed right through the name. That was Evacuation Earth. No, Excavation Earth. Evacuation. Okay. Because well, I'm thinking Excavation Earth. Okay, excavation Earth. Excavation Earth. But the reason why I kept thinking Evacuation is because nobody's on Earth anymore. We've evacuated it. We're <laughs> it's gone. It's a cool theme. It's a cool theme. It's a yeah, cool Earth is empty, and basically these aliens are coming to basically loot and uh, collect items off of our planet and sell them on an open market. Yeah, we either did the Wally and we're off in space on some spaceship or somewhere, or we just screwed it up and we have, we're all dead. That's, you know, that's where it's it. And they're coming down here and they're finding things we've left behind, our trash, and people are collecting it. The collector is upon us. The game, when I told Marty and Bert about this, I said, guys, this is pretty easy. You set us up for failure with that. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. You said, this is pretty easy. Just play a couple cards and yeah, draw cards up at the end, three rounds, and we're done. Dude. Dude, what? That's what you do. That is how the game is played. I know that, but it's what you do with the cards and how the cards work and these multi-use cards and how the market works and how to manipulate the market. So once again, pass the Advil. Oh my gosh. When I started reading the rules to this, I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. This isn't too bad. And then when I was explaining, I'm like, okay, this doesn't seem too 
bad? And then we did. We started playing this game, and it was like, oh, my gosh. How much programming ahead do I have to do? Because these multi-use cards will determine which actions you take and the type, because it's either going to be by color or by icon on the card. And that determines the types of actions you can take. Because, and Marty said, these aliens just want our stuff. They're here, and you are going down to the Earth to pick this stuff up from four. By, by the way, the we're playing as aliens. Yeah. We are the aliens coming to pick up the yeah. stuff. Yeah. And we have these regions on Earth, and there are these various buyers in the regions, and they're saying, well, I want a VCR tape, or we're wanting this bowl. And depending on which buyers are there, we'll just set the price or of how much these items are worth. And all that comes together, and you're sitting there trying to move the market, change the popularity. How can I do this? Because in the end, it's whoever has the most money wins. That's it. <laughs> he said, again, dude, you did it again. Oh, that's it. That's yeah. It. Yeah, that, yeah. That's it. It's getting to that point's the thing, though. Absolutely. Because so the, a simple action is when you go down there and excavate the earth. So you play a card. Well, first off, you got to have an alien there. And you play a card f- f- color to match that region. And you may take that item. And you can go put it in your cargo hold so that you can later sell it. But you can also take a little bit for yourself and put that in your sample gallery, which will help you to get points at the end of the game. Yeah, so hold on, explain the example gallery real quick. So basically you got a ta- uh, you got a grid on your board of four by five, and there's five different colors of items, and each column is a color. You want to collect as many different unique sample and sample types as possible because if you complete rows and you complete columns, it's worth victory points at the end of the game. So in that case, the artifacts that you collect are kind of like a set collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Oh, that's a good way to look at it, isn't it? Thank you. That's a simple way to look at it, just for this simple game. <laughs> simple game. Yeah. Why don't you explain to us, like, when I want to go sell stuff, how all that stuff works? I, I don't even want to try. There is one thing about, if you go to BGG and you download the rule book, in the game overview, that is well explained there on what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, so you, you want to go sell something. There's a market for the buyers and the colors that are there, I've already said that, indicate which regions they are most interested in. And by the way, there are some buyers that don't care. They're wild. They can be any color. And when you sell to them, you then remove them from that market and they go back to the mothership. The buyers remove. The yes. buyers. So when you sell, you take the artifacts that you collected from your cargo Mm-hmm. And you sell them to the buyers that are sitting in that market, like you said. Right. And you can have, see, one of the actions you have to do is take one of your cubes and put it into that market like you have a representative there. Oh, that's true. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So you got to have your colored cubes in that market so that you can have somebody that actually do the transaction. And when you sell, if I've got multiple markets I can do the transaction to, I can sell them all at once. And if you sell them more than one, you get bonuses. 
Yes. And the more of the certain color of the meeple people they're buying, there's basically buyers in that market. And you can sell to to all of them. And the more that are there of a particular color, the higher the price is. There's a higher demand for that particular thing. But then, like you said, Tony, they go back to like a central mothership until the next time something is sold. And then they move back to the board. When they go back to the board, that readjusts the price. So the more buyers that are in the markets, the higher the price of that particular color item. But if there's not that many, then the value of that item is pretty low. So it's a common stock market type thing, right? Where the mm-hmm. price is constantly in flux, It's but it's being adjusted by the buyers for that particular colored artifact. Whoo! Simple game, y'all. It was. It was really simple. I mean, I appreciate Marty explaining that. And you... So... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those He's struggling y'all he's like we're not going to go through the rules i said dude i couldn't explain the rules if i had to i could tell you the different actions that you can do and there's i mean i can't i can explain the rules when we sat down and played the game but no way could i do it without with you need to see this this vocally. is one of these games you got to be sitting at the board to go through it once we played the iconography came through on each of the cards the cell and everything oh that's what this means that's what i mean there are so many strategic things you got to think ahead because you've got your explorers on the planet you've got your people at the market trying to sell your goods you're trying to gather the points and in round two and round three there's this area control mechanism and popularity where you also have cards that if you have popularity in a certain region you can enact these special actions that are random every game they're random every game and then there's the smuggling action and oh by the way did i even mention that your race has special powers that's right. Simple game. Everybody has unique powers. Oh, you didn't even mention the black market. There's a whole black market mechanic. Uh, I, I, they, I said something. smuggle, smuggle. That's right. That's right. So uh, again, uh, we didn't mention moving. So every card gives the ability to move, but there are three standard cards that you have every round where you can move two spaces, three spaces, or four spaces. On your turn, you take two actions. You do have a nice reference card, Tony, that tells you exactly uh, the different types of actions that you have. And what it costs for the action. Some of them are any card. Any card you could take particular action. Some of them require a certain color. Some of them require the the, the certain emblem. So how do you get these cards? Well, at the very beginning of the round, you do a draft. Eight cards dealt to everybody. You draft one and pass, draft one and pass, till you have your set of eight cards that you're going to use uh, during the game. Now, you can, there is another section of the board where four cards are laid out that you can see that you can kind of mark uh, to potentially uh, exchange and get, and get a different type of card into your hand. Again, that's a separate action. So there are ways to potentially manipulate the cards in your hands with others that are in the market. Yeah. And probably the simplest action is pass. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true move is pretty straightforward move, pass <laughs> you just move a couple locations surveys taking the chance on hopefully getting artifacts and and shifting some cards around we're having fun with this because we when we walked away with it we were like this game is going to really hurt us from a brain standpoint we got to be ready to go with this i i did i undersold it Mixed emotions when we played, like, do I want to play this again? Do I hadn't heard anything about this? I I don't know, Marty. I mean, here's the issue I had with this game. I think mechanically it's really cool. I typically like market games, but in the games that we played, 
I was always really struggling to get the right card that I wanted. It seemed like when we drafted, you said you had to plan ahead, that there was a certain color or a certain uh, symbol that I needed because of a particular action that I wanted to take. And I think I couldn't remember one game that we played. It was like I needed an orange card. And I swear I could not get an orange card. And it was killing me. I would, when during the draft, I don't know whether you guys were sucking up the orange cards. You know, the hand of cards coming to me, there was no orange in there. That part really frustrated me. I wish there were better ways to cycle cards that I needed in my hand. I wish I could have like played two or three cards at once to make it a wild so that I could at least do what I wanted to do, knowing that they may penalty me that they would penalize me later down the road because I would have less cards to play. But that really stuck me a few times. That's what got my crawl about this game is not having the right card in my hand when I needed it. Cause it boiled down to me was the sell action because I never felt like I had enough time to set up a good sell action because when you're sailing, sailing takes me away. Who sings it? Uh, Christopher Cross. Nice. So with that in mind, you had to, you can sell to one market, but you could also sell to more than one market as long as you had a market guy there and you had the right meeples there. You could sell across there. And if you sold to multiples, you got more benefits. You could actually gain cards, which was very important. And and if, if somebody went up there and destroyed that whole thing after you spent all that time trying to set it up, you're like, oh man, really? Yeah. And it's funny, I talked about, oh, there's not a lot of player interaction. Actually, in the market, there's a lot of player interaction. Because if you're setting up to a big sale and somebody does it before you, basically that changes the market. Or, you know what you can do? You can add buyers to the markets, too. Mm-hmm. And what that does is there's uh. four buyers there, and you add one, it pushes out the one on the bottom. So a color that you were needing to, to sell to may be gone if somebody adds a different uh, buyer to that market. And they can potentially add two, a wild card and a certain and, and one color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened a couple of times. Yeah. We talked about heavy, city of the big shoulders. Here you go. Here's one for you. Go for it. Uh, this is not nearly as heavy as that. No. Okay. To me, it's not nearly as heavy as that. It's an easier game to learn. I think it's an easier game to play. I, I like multi-use cards. The cards can every card can be used to move. And then they either have a color or a symbol on them. And depending on action, some, like I said, some actions don't require a particular symbol or color. And some of them do. And sometimes you got to get in position. It's just, man, for me, uh, there were times when I needed a certain color or symbol and I just didn't have it. And I was really hamstrung. Yeah. You, you were card stars. You, you were definitely card star. And I mean, and like you said, when you were setting up that draft, you really had to program prior to that. Like, I need to be in this region with this icon for, so I need this color, but I also need this icon. So I need to make sure that I'm not um, losing out on that. So yeah, you really had to think what your actions are going to be. You really, I'm sorry, I keep saying you, you needed to program that out. Basically you were programming your entire round. Yeah. Uh, During the draft. During the draft. 100%. Agree, And there will be times, you remember at the very, very beginning when I said when you're collecting uh, artifacts, you try to fill out rows and columns on your player mm-hmm. board. Those were victory points at the end. And there are times when uh, the each round items are seated onto the board artifacts. And if the right one doesn't come out 
or you can't don't have the right color card in your hand to get that one more sample that you need to fill out a row or column. And it's just costing you points. Mm -hmm. And the randomization of those artifacts coming out and the cards being drawn, I didn't see a way to, I hate to say bad luck. It's a strategy game. There's, I guess you just need to change your strategy. If you just don't have the cards, you need to reprogram. You, I guess you just need to be able to change on the fly and go, okay, I'm going to go in this direction instead. Well, you need to do that, that survey action where you could slide a card in and, and swap a card yeah. out and things like that. Yep. And, you, and you need to watch who's selling strong to the market because if you're not careful, that can create a runaway leader on you um, from that standpoint where they're ga- gathering a lot of points. If you like these kind of games, be sure to check it out. I mean, this is um, Excavation Earth. Mm-hmm. And probably if we remember by the end of by 2022, this may be on our um, squirrelies for a uh, past the Advil award, but we're going to have to make a note of it somewhere. Yeah. The publisher is mighty boards and it's distributed by asthma day games. Mm. So uh, anybody that carries asthma day stuff uh, does have it again. I like uh, David Turtsey. I typically like his games. And so just his name alone will let you know, this is probably, you know, a little bit heavier. Uh, this game does play. Uh, there is a solo mode, but plays two to four players, 30 to 120 minutes. That's probably spot on, Tony. A four-player game probably takes 90 minutes to two hours. Yeah, uh, especially if it's not a learning game. If everybody yep. knows the game. Great components. Great colors, great components, iconography. Oh, Even though you said it's a simple game, it is one of those things. You play a card, you take one of the actions. It's just understanding what the actions do. Once you have it, you can be kind of off and running. But there is a lot. If you like a game with a lot of pre-planning, if you like market manipulation games, and there's a little bit of screw over your opponent. When it comes to the market stuff, you can't screw somebody over because you can kind of see what they're setting up to sell. And if you can jump in and sell it before them and clear out the buyers from a market, you just really royally mess them up. Yes, you do. And basically those buyers go back to the market where the prices are adjusted. And all of a sudden that item that was valuable a turn ago is now not nearly as valuable as what it was then. Mm, let's just end it with that. It was a simple game. <laughs> Already said it. Thanks for coming back and listening to rolling dice and taking names. Squirrelies are done. Don't know what we're doing for con season. Gen con is moving around. Who knows what's going to happen there. Marty says he's going to origins. That's awesome. Mega moose cons the same weekend as uh, Gen con. My vacation is somewhere in there. Who knows if I'm going to be doing that. We're vaccinated. Life is good. Moving right along here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Playing some Switch games. Be sure to come out to our Twitch channel and watch us Twitch a little bit as we try to do this show live for y'all. Yeah, we might be doing some real twitching there. I don't know what we're going to do. And then you can watch us try to close out the show. Which we're getting ready to do right now. So don't forget, that's going to be April 12th at 7 p.m., uh, I am looking for other hunter, hunters and monster hunter rise. Uh, so come out to our Discord channel. You can come join at uh, RollDiceTechnames.com. Not just that, but we have a lot of amazing, great discussions in our Discord channel. Uh, Tony, one thing I think that's really cool before we uh, uh, jump out of here. Have you noticed in the buy, sell, and trade thing that's kind of been going on where uh, somebody offered... They just had a bunch of games they wanted to get rid of and just said, here, if anybody wants them, email me and I'll ship them out. And that's kind of snowballed because people may have gotten the game. So, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. And now we got this really cool little thing going on where people are just like offering games. And it's just like, yeah, I got a game. I'm going to give a game. 
you know, somebody shipped me a game. I'm going to ship, ship somebody uh, else a game. So I think it's I think it's kind of a little cool thing that's going on right now on our Discord channel. Yeah, I was wondering what was going on there, that little pay it forward thing. Pay it forward. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I, our buddy Mark Kale was doing a lot of that. He had a lot of stuff that he was, you know, moving around and people come claimed a lot of his stuff. And then, uh, then those people go, well, you know what? I've got this if anybody wants it. So okay. everybody who's shipping is paying for their own shipping because they've already got something shipped to them. I, was it Mark that started it or our buddy Jerry Reese? One, one of the two started Jerry, it. Uh-huh. Jerry started it. And Jerry's actually, when we were playing um, the initiative, I thought of Jerry because he and his daughter love playing Pandemic Legacy. Mm-hmm. I was thinking for Jerry and the initiative, that's a game right up his alley. Oh, this is absolutely perfect. Again, very age appropriate. The initiative, fantastic deduction game. It's one of those games. The mechanics of the games are super solid and the puzzles are fun to solve. Yeah, I was wondering what was going on with Discord with people sending out free games. I was like, what's going on here? Okay, well, maybe I should put a few of ours out there that I need to, uh, like, I don't know, maybe Excavation Earth. I mean, that's a hefty game. That costs RDTN a lot of money for me to ship that one. That one's heavy. But you said it was a simple game. It is a simple game. People jump all over that one. So, (laughs) you know, I I don't know. Buyer beware. That's all I'm saying. Or requester beware on that. So keep rolling dice. And taking names. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Dyson Names, Twitter Dyson Names. Make sure to go like our Pepsi posting that uh, we did and see if we can uh, maybe do a a taste test for the new peep-flavored Pepsi products. Anyway, follow us on our social medias, join Discord channel, and join us next episode for our live recording with the live studio audience. Tony, since we have a live audience next recording, does that mean we have to like dress up or anything like that? I'm not about to, and I'm not going to clean it up one bit. They get <laughs> the raw. This is uncut, uncensored, grumpy Tony. There you go. Tony.